Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome everybody back to The Basement Binge to another Fast and Furious episode. This is going to be... A lot of fun. I'm actually looking forward to this episode, surprisingly. And uh, we're we're already four movies in, which I can't believe. So Fast and Furious, which is just such a dumb title that there's no number to it. And I keep wanting to say The Fast and Furious, but just Fast and Furious. And once again, I am joined by the great Matt from Matt Goes to the Movies. So go ahead and introduce yourself again, Matt. Yeah. Hi, Harrison. Um, As you said, I'm Matt from Matt Goes to the Movies. Excited to be back for another edition of the Fast and the Furious saga. And this is where it starts to really take shape uh, with the Fast and the Furious and what these movies are going to be. So I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really, really excited for this episode. We, back not too long ago, when we were talking about, when we were watching Too Fast, Too Furious, and you were really talking about how the third was a reaction, in a change of direction because of the negative reaction to the second, and then there was a even different negative reaction to the third that was a reaction back to the fourth and how it was an exciting thing because they were bringing the original cast back. And I saw the promotion somewhere where it was like, uh, same engine, new parts or something like that. I know, like something car thing and just the idea that the old crew was coming back. So you kind of hypes me up to finally get to Fast and Furious 4, which I'm really, really looking forward to. So I'm going to continue to call it the wrong name, but it is Fast and Furious, technically the fourth film. And it's also out of order with Tokyo Drift because whatever the timeline's weird. But we will get into it here with our very first segment. Everybody knows two cents. So we're going to keep it spoiler-free. Reaction, thoughts about the film, spoiler-free. Matt, I will let you go first and the floor is yours. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is a movie that really s- started the trend of what Fast and Furious was going to be. It brought back the original cast. It certainly played um, a little bit with what the chronological order was supposed to be for these movies. But, um, you know, at its core, so to speak, this is a movie where it really starts to talk about that whole family um vibe that these movies have and you see that with uh paul walker's character and vin diesel's character coming back together finally um a lot of returning characters in this movie from the original but you know this is a movie that i enjoy i thought it was a great like return to form while also taking the series in a different direction and yeah i mean it's hard to talk about these movies spoiler free so that'll just be my gist on it is you know it started what we now know as the fast and the furious movies bringing back the original cast and i can't wait to get into spoilers me too it's really hard not to talk about this film with spoilers so i'll just kind of give my short two cents here not even gonna be close to two minutes but it's 
it's interesting, I'll just say, how someone who's totally new through this franchise entirely, how well this franchise is already interesting to continue to watch. I'll say that the first two, if you haven't listened to those episodes and don't know my thoughts, I wasn't the biggest fan of those films, and it was a really rough start. And I, especially after the second film, I was like, oh my gosh, like, what am I getting myself into? Like, do I really want to do all these movies for the podcast, or do you just want to quit now? And after Tokyo Drift, and now into the, the fourth one, which, again, if I'm talking about these films where it's because we're recording them in, in reverse order, uh, we're recording the fourth one before the third for different reasons, but it, it's exciting to get to where it's actually getting good, where I'm being endeared to the characters, where the form that is a Fast and Furious movie is starting to be a little bit more fleshed out and uh, not as bad. And it it is totally ridiculous. There are some things that you're like, oh my gosh, like, really? But there is a lot of things that really is fun and the characters are super interesting and engaging. And to have the original cast back makes me understand kind of the comments that I, I think it was, I don't remember who it was. It, it was either you, Matt, or Rob on the very first episode talking about how one of the reasons that people continue to come back to this franchise is because in a way, this misfit group of people does feel a little bit like a family. And only after like two-ish films with them, I already feel that. So I, I'm excited to get into the spoilers. Uh, I don't think I can say anything else spoiler-free. So we will move on to the next segment, which is Rummage for the Rotten. <laughs> where we guess who is going to like this film the least. Now, there's just two of us. We can vote for ourselves. Whoever we think is going to like the film the least is the rotten. And then at the very end of the episode, we will rate it out of five reels. The lowest rating is the rotten. Whoever votes them is the winner. And Wim's absolutely nothing except for getting it right. So (laughs) I am going to guess here that this actually is going to be a close race and that both of us are actually going to like it but that one of us is going to just like it less than the other i I don't think it's going to be like oh i dislike it more than you it's just that i like it less if that makes sense uh yeah i would totally agree with that i think that i will probably slightly but i do think that i will like this movie more than you but i i really think it's going to be really just a matter of of inches so to speak of you know the the rating that we have yeah i I agree and especially in contrast to the first two films i don't think it's going to be a measure of like dislike so to speak i think that it's going to be on the positive end of the scale where we're comparing the measure of like the measure of enjoyment not the measure of unenjoyment if that makes sense so i think that we're both voting for me just again because it's so new to me and i do remember you talking about this film in high regard so i kind of cheat a little bit um, but yeah, so we'll both see if it's me at the end. We'll we'll get we'll know how we think, and we'll, we'll. It's interesting when I'm looking at the ratings here. Again, I'd never seen any of these films before. I put this as like the bottom of the list, like right above Too Fast, Too Furious, and you put it at number six. Oh, okay, you just put it one step above me. So, yeah, I'm curious what your. I'll get your thoughts about that towards the end, but I'm curious what your thoughts are now that you've revisited it. So anyway, that is a rotten. We're both guessing that it's me. But Matt, before we move on to the next segment and really get into the spoilers, I'm going to give you the chance to, once again, plug Matt Goes to the Movies, your show, because I really appreciate being here and I love your show. So, floor is yours. Yeah, thank you. Um, As Harrison said, I run Matt Goes to the Movies. 
It's a podcast about movies, and it's something that I really enjoy and something that I got started because of the basement binge. Uh, I've mentioned that before, but it's about as true a statement as you can make. Um, during COVID-19, I was sitting at home. My uh, my work had shut down, so I was sitting at home like a lot of people for about two and a half months with nothing to do. And talking about movies was something that I always loved doing. And I, I was listening one day to podcasts and I happened to come across the basement binge and uh, really got inspired to start Matt goes to the movies. Um, it's a lot of fun, uh, you know, being here with Harrison for this one. This is great. We are going to be doing Loki. We've recorded that first episode. That's up. Um, tomorrow is episode number two, which I'm super excited for. So we've got Loki coming up. We've done Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision. I recently released a episode on Mortal Kombat with Rob. Uh, Harrison and I did A Quiet Place 2, which I was really thankful for because we both love that movie. And to talk about that was a lot of fun. So you can check that out on any major platform where you get podcasts. And as a huge thank you, Harrison always plugs that show in the show notes so that you can get to it. So much appreciated. You're very welcome. It's always humbling to hear you mention uh how the basement binge was inspiring to you. I, I am really curious, though, if you remember, if you don't, that's fine, what episode it was you heard for the first time. Uh, it actually, the first thing that I heard was I looked at your MCU stuff, and I started with that, and then I really just kind of got hooked to start going back through, you know, episode through episode, what was going on, and I can't remember. I think it was... Actually, you I can't remember completely, but I think you reached out at one point um, just to say, like, hey, listen to the show. Like, you know, always, you know, interested to find new people who enjoy the same things. And then, like, ever since then, it's developed into what we both call like an actual friendship, which is crazy because we knew nothing about each other. Oh, yeah, I, I think it's sweet. I think it's and. I, I do I don't remember if I reached out to you or whatever. I know that we both it was when your your show had started and I don't remember. But I remember it was like when your first few episodes came out and I was like, oh, this is, sounds pretty sweet. And I was also like really in the vein of like trying to listen to a lot of people's podcasts to try and like find a community, so to speak. And I listened to your show and I was like, oh yeah, this is somebody who I'm interested in actually having a conversation with, you know? So, yeah, it, it's kind of interesting, especially in the vein of the Fast and Furious movies, how, like, something as distant as being separated by miles but forming a friendship over similar interests is, is interesting. I think that has a lot to do with this film. Um, but, yeah, Matt's show, Matt Goes to the Movies. I am stoked for Loki Episode 2 to come out tomorrow and then record an episode. I, I can't believe that we're doing it. Like, it feels almost like a little bit surreal. So, yeah. Those episodes, I think, are some of the funnest I've ever had. The other Disney Plus shows we did on Matt's podcast. So go subscribe to his show for the Loki episodes because it, it, they're a great time. So additionally, here at The Basin Binge, please go to podchaser.com slash The Basement Binge and leave a review on Podchaser. Enter yourself a chance for a free screen pass if you're here in the U.S. And uh, I'd appreciate it if you could share the podcast with anybody who you think would, would enjoy it. But we will move on to the next segment. We will get into the spoilers here. We're going to pick our poison which is a rating ranking scale here at the Basement Binge. We're going to talk about our reaction now to the film after watching it this time out of four options. To never watch it again, which is straightforward. 
to stream it, which is the idea. If it's on a streaming service, you're already subscribed to. And it's just kind of filling the time of content consumption where it's just like, I'm looking for something to watch. And so it's like, oh yeah, sure, I'll click on it. Rent it is you'd be willing to pay a few dollars to watch it from time to time. And then top of the list, buy it, pay the full price, watch as many times as you want. And also, Matt, we're, let's, this is the point where we can kind of talk about our rankings um, and, and kind of go from there. I'll post the rankings here in the chat so that you can see them and you can refresh yourself on them. Um, let me make sure that it's separated the two. There we go. So, yeah. Um, I will go first. I'll pick my poison first. And I'm having a hard time trying to decide between renting it and buying it. The, the Tokyo Drift and now this fourth film are really kind of the first point where I was like, wow, I'm actually enjoying myself watching this. It, this doesn't feel like an assignment. It feels like I'm genuinely enjoying what's on screen. Um, particularly this film, I was like really getting into the enjoyment of the ridiculousness and excited to see where it goes. You know, I've seen trailers. I have, I've seen clips of the other films and I feel like this is kind of the starting point of like the, it, the action movie type genre that it becomes. And it's actually quite good for what it is. And I've talked about how I might buy this entire series when it's finished. I'm not sure yet, but this and so far Tokyo Drift are kind of pushing it towards that point where it's, it, right now, would be, this particular film would be a rent, but depending on how the rest of the series go, it might push it into a buy. So I'll let you give your, pick your poison, and then we'll kind of talk about our, rate, our rankings that we gave on Too Fast, Too Fierce, because we forgot to do it on the first episode. So yeah, pick your poison. Yeah, um, this would be a streaming for me. I would definitely 100%. Um, I would watch this movie again, um, other than re-watching it for this episode. But at the same time with this series, this is something that I will eventually own once this saga is done, which is supposedly happening with the 10th movie that will be broken up into two parts. So, you know, this is a movie that I enjoy. I actually could watch it again and I would watch it again if uh, I was just sitting around with nothing to do and scrolling through a feed. And, oh, hey, there it is. Um, I would definitely check this movie out again. All right, yeah, I, I'm intrigued to now hear kind of about your rankings. Looking at the list, so out of the eight current films that we have, Matt put this at number six, just above Too Fast, Too Furious at number eight, and then The Fate of the Furious at seven. So I'm kind of curious, what is it about this that kind of leans it towards the bottom of the pack for you? You know, after... <sighs> After watching it again, I would say that it probably actually would at least jump up one spot and go back, um, go up to number five, actually, because of the fact that seeing the original cast back and realizing how much chemistry Paul Walker and Vin Diesel have together. I, I don't think anybody that watches these movies and you watch these two together cannot tell that these guys had like a really actual close relationship um in real life and going back and rewatching this i would definitely say that i would put this to number five um over the original fast and furious so i would say that this has actually moved up a spot because of a rewatch wow okay well there we go um it, it's really interesting for me to obviously i haven't seen any of the others so i don't have anything to compare it to you know like i my ranking, I just kind of like guess. So all the things that are above it, I haven't seen yet. 
And I'm sure that there's many others, particularly like Fast Five, which is next, which I'm very, very excited for, and Fury 7, I have like really, really high hopes for. And it's interesting how much I want to defend this film because of how much fun I was having. Like, yeah, is it kind of ridiculous? Like, there's a scene where Vin Diesel smashes the window with his elbow instead of rolling the window down and then pulls out a shotgun that's like a rocket launcher. Like, he shoots the tire of a car and then it, like, does a front flip. Like, I... What? (laughs) But those scenes are engaging and the action is interesting and it's not, like, pull you out of it like, oh, this is ridiculous. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, this is... The ridiculousness is kind of fun. And I also 100% agree that... I feel like Fury 7 is just going to rip my heart out because I'm already so involved in the relationship between Paul Walker and Vin Diesel. I feel like it's very, very good, the chemistry that they have together, which I didn't feel like they had any in the first film. And this one, they do. Additionally, I really like how Paul Walker and and kind of like the cop side of it is way more consistent than I thought it would ever be. Like I thought it was just going to be dropped totally after the first film. Uh, but it's been really like one of the most consistent things of all the films that he's in. So it, I'm surprised how much I like it. And I think that I might end up liking Fury 7 and Fast 5 a lot more because of it. And But there are definitely some things that I don't like. You know, th- th- yeah, I, I don't want to get into it because this, this is not the section to do that. But ranking, I think this is going to go up a lot higher than I have it. But granted, I haven't seen any of it. So we'll see how it goes. Let's move on to the next segment, which we've kind of been talking about a little bit anyway, but it's Live Up. So this is where we talk about our expectations for the film. For me specifically, having never seen the film, what was my idea going in? Did it live up to those expectations? And then for Matt, kind of to talk about what the film's carrying over legacy, so to speak, is for him and what it's like to revisit it. So my expectations going into this, I had absolutely zero about this particular film except for what you said that the original cast was back. And I had no idea. Like, like, like that was it. And um, there's also like a, a, a prequel to this that was directed by Vin Diesel, like a 20-minute short film. Uh, and I was going to watch that like I did for the turbocharged prelude to Too Fast, Too Furious. But I had such a negative experience with that that I was like, no, I'm not doing that again. Like, I'm just going to watch the movie. So, like, when it started, I was, I had no idea what to expect except for the original cast is back, and it's before Tokyo Drift. And that was it. And I was like, okay, sure. Like, I'm going to press play. We'll see what we're getting ourselves into. And continually, I was like, wow, this is actually better than the rest so far. Uh, So, it it exceeded my expectations just because I really didn't have any, but it also completely lived up to the expectations where the original cast coming back is a big deal. Like that is a mentionable, memorable thing about it because they come back and it's actually a a good thing. I feel an engagement for them being back that I didn't have before. And I'm surprised. Uh, I actually know their names now. Like I can always tell how much a character means to me by how easily I remember their names. And I definitely could not remember their names. I like, especially in the first two episodes recorded, I was like, I was referring to them by their actors' names, but now I know people's names, and it, those names mean something to me. So definitely lived up to the expectations that Matt gave for me. So wh- now you, Matt, what is it like having seen this film and, and years from now, what is this, almost 
like like 12 years, I think it is, came out in 2009. Yeah, so 12 years from now, what is like kind of the legacy of the film? What's it like to revisit it? Yeah, it's actually, it was really cool to actually go back and watch this movie again, um, you know, to see, kind of get some of those feelings back from seeing the original cast together. It has been quite a while since I've actually watched this movie. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun to see them back, the chemistry, see where they were going to take the story. And again, it's just fun. Um, you know, I think I've mentioned it before. That's why these movies have lasted as long as they have. Um, it's a it's a fun movie is is what this boils down to. It doesn't take itself overly seriously because you can just tell how ridiculous some of the things that they are or that they do are. But you can just sit there, have a good time, but at the same time, get a little bit deeper meaning from it, um, especially with the whole focus on family, uh, which I think they do really well in this movie. Yeah, that, that's a great point. I think another reason that I was able to enjoy this so much is because I had the idea of what I was watching, if that makes sense. like My expectations of what a Fast and Furious movie is is a set now. So when I do turn it on, I'm in. I'm able to be in the vein of a Fast and Furious movie. So when the ridiculousness kicks in, it's not as annoying as it was initially. You know, when the constant upshifting and close-ups of the pedal pumping while they're racing, edited in, isn't as jarring because I'm used to it. Like I'm, I'm used to the language, so to speak, the cinematic language of a Fast and Furious movie, and so it's easier to enjoy the parts of it instead of just being frustrated. Um, and yeah, there there are some like things where it's like are really like especially with the story, particularly for you, Matt, because we again we're doing this backwards, so you haven't heard my thoughts about Tokyo Drift. One thing I actually really liked about Tokyo Drift was the story, surprisingly, and like the lack of story in this, besides just like Paul Walker going after the drug cartel and Vin Diesel, or I, I guess I should say, um, Brian and Brian being a cop and and Dom getting revenge for letty like there's not much substance to it from that but at the same time like you said the story is super generic but that actually provides a lot to the family side of it and how that really is a consistent thing for that so it it's almost like living up to the legacy of all of fast and furious like i'm actually kind of getting it that this this family thing isn't a joke like like it's actually probably the strongest part of these films yeah, I mean, I I totally agree. I think there's actually uh, as generic as the story is, I think that there's some real genuine good emotion um in a lot of these scenes, especially when you first, you know, find out about Letty and you see that Dom is, you know, I will say I think Vin Diesel does a very good job in this movie of sort of showing emotion that he would be upset um, that this person that was close to him was, you know, killed, um, seeing his sister again, seeing Brian again for the first time in roughly, I think in this universe, it's over five years since Brian and Dom have seen each other. So I think there's a lot of really good emotion in this movie, actually. Yeah, I, I was really surprised by that. That one scene where Vin Diesel's character is like going to the crash site of where Letty was murdered, supposedly. Like, Dom is not a super emotional character in that he'd like break down and cry. 
he's a very intense kind of serious character like going back to the very first introduction we have with him in the franchise all we could see is him stand up and get a beer and like his giant muscly back to the camera the way that a bald Vin Diesel is able to do and to have like that almost like uh, uh, sternness that's not the right word but like seriousness of the character have emotion in that moment I thought was really well done uh, to the character I thought it was it was great both to his relationship to Letty but also to like the way he carries and composes himself emotionally I was actually like okay this isn't this isn't too bad either direction it it makes sense for the character Yeah no absolutely so um the other thing that I do want to get to here that I I want to ask you about as we're talking about live up before we go into the other segments one of the things that you did talk about in this film is bringing back the original cast and I have kind of a few questions about this. One, I'm glad that this is before Tokyo Drift because one of the best things about Tokyo Drift is Han and the actor who plays Han. Like, he's one of my favorite characters. And also, I know that he doesn't, he's not actually dead. We, we'll talk about this way more in the Tokyo Drift episode because I've seen him in the trailer for Fast 9. So, like, whatever. But same thing with Letty. Like, I know that she's not dead. And why say like oh we're gonna bring back we're gonna bring back the original cast just to have one of them die and have that be like the main plot device of the film i think is one of the weirdest decisions ever and then just to have her be like not dead and come back later i don't know obviously i'm kind of spitballing a shot in the dark with what i haven't seen but like what is that about you know it's it's a great question because i don't think um I'm not sure that they completely had it played off. I think if I were to guess, cause I've never been able to see anything on this. I mean, I don't think they suspected that Hans character would be as popular as he was, um, especially because the movie was so bad. But then after time, people are like, you know, Tokyo drift really wasn't that bad. And you know, Han was actually a really great character. Um, and I think part of bringing back the original crew was, okay, we're going to get people hopefully back into the theater to come see this. But I think when four rolled around, they still didn't have a plan that like, Hey, we can get this to, you know, number five, we can get this to number six. We can go to seven, eight, nine, and so on. Um, so I don't think they had a, actual plan in place here for this series when four came back i think they just wanted to make another movie and we could go from there but as this got really popular and made money um and then fast five made a lot of money i think they had to rework what they wanted to do and how they wanted to tell this story so i think it just kind of happened that the you know Letty ends up dying in this movie, but ends up coming back. Um, I, I really think it was due to lack of planning. Yeah. yeah, and, and I'm sure it is that way. You know, we can't expect everybody to have a Kevin Feige, but it, it's interesting. Cause I think that one, cause again, in, in Tokyo drift, I think the character death of Han fits that film really well, but it, and I feel like if I would have watched that film Without the rest of the series and without Han coming back, like that would have been really fitting. 
I think Letty dying in fat in this film fits the story. I think that is very motivating for the character of Dom. I, and I think the best way to make a sequel is to make a film and focus on making this film and making this story and these characters interesting and the challenges they're going through right now interesting. And then if you have the opportunity of making a second one, then do it a second time. And so again, a plan necessarily isn't needed, but it's just interesting to view, to watch a film for the first time, already having ideas of what the future brings and how that kind of affects the viewing experience. Kind of interesting. Um, and, but I will say it, it's also a good thing that I want these characters back. Like, it's not like, like I'm not upset that they come back because I genuinely want them to be back. So I'm glad that they are, you know, they can retcon it however they want because I'm glad that these characters are here. Yeah, I think uh, that's a, a great point. So that was a random tangent that I was not expecting to go on. But if you have, do you have any other thoughts about the legacy of this film or, or expectations or living up to it at all before we move on to the next segment? You know, yeah, just to recap, I, I think it did live up to what it was supposed to be it was nice to see you know the cast back it was nice to see especially and again like with tokyo drift it's it's grown on me over time but after seeing too fast too furious and seeing tokyo drift when they first came out it was like boy this franchise like this thing's toast and then (laughs) well you know what i'll give it a shot they're going to be back together so it was really cool to see that. Um, and I mean, the rest is pretty much history. I mean, we all know how much these, you know, these movies make now. Yeah. And, and it kind of speak from that to a financial standpoint before we move on to the next event, uh, Tokyo drift, just cause we're kind of comparing it to it. Cause I feel like Tokyo drift was made as a negative reaction that too fast to furious had. And then the fast and furious was made as a negative reaction that Tokyo drift had and bringing back the original cast. Tokyo drift, on only made about 158 million worldwide but a lot of that is internationally it only made about 62 million domestically you know which is not a lot for a big blockbuster like that one but then you'd switch over to a few years later to fast and fast and furious the fourth film and it makes almost a hundred million dollars more domestically and more than doubles its worldwide gross with 360 million dollars so did it live up to what it was intending to be? Definitely. It got people reinterested in this franchise and I think was one of the big turning points in making it or, or having it maintain longevity. So interesting stuff. I appreciate your insights. But we will move on to the next segment, Binge Points, where they throw in Easter eggs, details, hidden things, behind-the-scenes stuff, or anything else we want to mention that we can't fit anywhere else. And I will say I didn't have like any time whatsoever to come up with any bench points. So if you have any, the, the floor is yours. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, there's not a lot with this movie when you go back and look at what was happening behind the scenes and everything. There's not a lot going on. It didn't seem like there was any kind of, you know, behind the camera, uh, camera drama or anything like that. It was just a movie that was, like made so to speak which again is like really rare but when you realize that this movie is pretty much and the whole series now from this point forward is vin diesel's baby um th- there's not a lot going on besides 
hey, let's make like let's make our movie, which I actually find that fascinating. Wow, yeah, I I think it's interesting how this movie is just so much like let's make a movie type of thing, and then it's just like is what it is. So I I think it would have been interesting to be able to be in 2009 and see this film. Uh, I'm kind of cheating here really quickly and pulling up some things from IMDb trivia is like the greatest thing ever for binge points. And kind of two things immediately that I thought was interesting is that this is Gal Gadot's uh, film debut. I had no idea that she was, this was her first film. Uh, I, th- this may be an unpopular, unpopular opinion. I'm not, I don't think she's a very good actress. I think she's very pretty, but I just don't, I don't, th- I'm never convinced by any of her characters. Um, but hey, this is where she started. And the other thing that I thought was interesting, the very first trivia point, which is just fascinating to me, Universal apparently moved the release date of this film from June 12th to April 3rd, so the composer, Brian Tyler, only had three days to record the orchestral score, which is just nuts. That's crazy. I feel bad for him. Like it's, It sounds like the score was already written, and it was just the performance of it that needed to be captured and mixed. But man, three days to do all that? I mean... I wonder what that decision was like for the producers. Like, oh yeah, we'll just give him three days. You know, he's he's got it. <laughs> yeah, that's that is actually really interesting. I did know that this was um, Gail's like actual like debut, um, which is is funny to think about that. Like, this is what she debuted in, and you know, now what she's, you know, she's done Wonder Woman and she's been in Justice League. So um, it's funny that she got her start in Fast and Furious. Yeah. That- now she's Wonder Woman. She went from Fast and Furious to Wonder Woman. Who, who knew that you could take such a thing? Some other things that I thought was really interesting here is that I, I wasn't trying to word this properly. I never realized who Paul Walker was, like mentally, until watching this film. Like I've seen Paul Walker in other movies, and I had no idea. I think it's because the image of Paul Walker in my head is from like the Fast and the Fast and the Furious, the original, where he's so young and looks completely than he does here. So seeing him on screen, I was like, "Hey, he's that guy in all these other movies I was seeing." And it, and I had to like check IMDb to make sure I wasn't going crazy, and it was right. So I, I think it's interesting how much I, physically different he looks, but also how the character feels more mature as well. Uh, and I think that it's it's fitting for the reality of life but also the film yeah no i think it actually i think there were things that made sense in this movie with natural progression that i wasn't really looking for but after seeing them i was like well okay this works i liked where brian's character was at the start of this movie i like where brian's character is at the end of this movie i felt that you know, the things that he goes through and the decisions that he makes um, make sense in, in this universe. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's all working towards the, the, what the rest of, of this series is, which is super, super interesting. So I'm just quickly reading through some IMG, IMDb trivia here to see if there was anything else interesting. But uh, beyond that, I don't really have any other binge points. Yeah, no, I, uh, I'm good as well. I do actually, I have, this isn't so much a bench point, it's just something that I want to point out. Whoever decided that they should finally take some of the racing out of, like, tight streets at night was a genius. Like, seeing them drive on the dirt and in a desert in the day 
I thought was like one of the most exciting things ever. Like when he started to drive on the dirt, I was like, oh, it's not a road at night. Like I, that, and that driving is super fun and, and like totally ridiculous. But I, I feel like that was a great shift as well to get away from just, you know, the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, um, this was Justin Lin doing this movie. And I think if anything, Justin Lin has proved that he can film. Um, he can film action. I'm actually a really big fan of his. So the fact that he's back for Fast 9-2, uh, I'm really excited for. Oh, he's back. I didn't know that. Didn't he also direct one of the Star Trek movies? Uh, I believe he did, actually. So he's he's done a lot. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well... Kind of with that, then we'll move on to the next segment because I do have did have do have positive things to say about that scene, which is least and like. So this is where we talk about our least favorite scene and then our favorite scene. So I will go first and talk about my least favorite scene. There's a few that I really don't like. The one that I'm going to go with the most is, well, I'm having a hard time deciding. I'll let you go first, Matt, because I have like three that I'm trying to pick to. So what's your least favorite scene? Um, you know, I would have to say my least favorite scene is, you know, that's a good question because there's nothing like overly, I think, terrible. And at least to me, there's nothing overly terrible in this movie, but I think maybe my my least favorite scene, and I shouldn't say because of logic, because hello, it's a Fast and the Furious movie. <laughs> but when Brian is coming back to like the FBI headquarters and he gets into that little, you know, like chest bumping match with one of his his coworkers, there's there's a part where his like boss tells him, you know, do you know what makes the difference between a criminal and a cop? And he tells him it's one one wrong decision i think is the exact line that he says and i'm just like mm, well that's the stupidest thing i've ever heard because if you're talking to this guy about that like this is the guy that let dom go so you're telling me one bad decision like doesn't make him a cop anymore yet he's he's still a cop so yeah. i just like i don't know why but that scene just really bothers me because like I can deal with like all of the ridiculousness, but when you try to make dialogue that's supposed to be serious um, and the, it just makes no sense in the context of what's going on, like that's when I have a problem. So I actually like really can't stand that. Yeah, I, I that was one of the scenes that I was trying to pick but between. The least favorite one that I'm going to go with, though, to pick one is not the opening, but kind of the end of the opening if that makes sense is when they're that first height they have with the gas when they're stealing the gas that was actually kind of sweet i i really like that scene i don't know if it's going to be my favorite but i really thought that opening scene was really really fun and makes me excited to see what the rest of the franchise is because i'm guessing that that's a lot oh that that's a lot what of a lot of what we get later um but the very end of it when one part of the semi truck has tipped over and doesn't fall off the cliff, and then blocks him, uh, Dom from and Letty from turning. And then the other part of the tanker is on fire, bouncing down the road like it would not bounce as long as it does. Like it just kept bouncing 
at the same height. I was like, this, this isn't how physics work. And it's just like, I know, I know it's a Fast and Furious movie. There's so many other things that I could argue, but that particular thing like really took me out of it. Like, okay, the first, the 18 wheeler doesn't drive off the cliff. It tips over like the perfect spot and stops to block the road. But then this other part of the tanker is bouncing like it's a bouncy ball that never loses its momentum and it's on fire. Like it's just, that really took me out of it, especially to follow up like the great opening you where it's like real cars on the road with real driving and it's not edited horribly like you get to see the entire um 180 of the car you get to see the cars actually driving like it's it's really well directed well shot action and the editing in that moment is really good and then to just dump to like an a gas oiler bouncing down the road just really just wasn't a fan of that so maybe i'm being really harsh but that would be my least favorite I think that's a great point. Um, but we'll move on to our, our favorite scene here. Matt, because you gave us your least favorite first, I'll let you give us your favorite first again. Uh, I think it's a tie, and it's based on the emotion in the scene. I really like the scene where Brian and Mia um, actually get like back together. It's a little weird that he starts making out with her like <laughs> while her while her brothers in the other room. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's odd, but again, like I feel like there's actual like genuine emotion there if you go and think about the first movie of where those characters were and like they still have feelings for each other. So I actually really like that scene and then my my other one and I'd say this is a cut above is when Dom does find out that Brian knew where Letty was and that he had been talking to her. Um, and he just kind of goes off and they have that little, um, they have that scuffle where he then finds out that Letty came to Brian to try and get Dom to be able to come home. So I really like that again. I, I think it just shows like how close these people and these characters are supposed to be in this universe that, you know, the mere mention of the fact that Letty was doing all this for Dom causes him to stop like pummeling Brian. And I think, again, like Paul Walker, like Brian shows a good emotion when he's like, sorry that this has happened. And, you know, he he feels bad that he is responsible for Letty being in the situation that she was and not being able to tell Dom about it. So I really like those scenes. Yeah, I I would agree with you. I was thinking about those scenes when I was running my head through scenes that I didn't like. Those both came up. But then I was like, no, the emotion behind them is actually really good, particularly the scene where where Brian and and is it Mia uh kind of make up. And then the other thing to talk about the fight between Dom and Brian when they finds out about Letty. When that scene started, I was like, oh no, here we go. More infighting in an action movie. How original. And then the way it was handled, I was actually really impressed with like, oh, wow, like this is consistent with the emotions and motivations of the characters, but it's also handled in a very real and uh, kind of powerful way for the theme of family and the emotion behind it all. I, I agree with you. But if I had to pick a favorite scene, it's probably going to be when there, there's a few scenes. I really like the scene when. Dom outsmarts the people who are going to kill him by having his car blow up. And then him and Brian jump in the Humvee and they're driving the Humvee around just because 
whoever was the driver of that Humvee was super fun to watch. But the favorite would be after that, they take the two cars and they meet Gal Gadot's character and then they find out where what's his bucket's going to be and they're driving and then all the pe- and then they go and capture him for the first time and they're not quite in the desert yet they're not in the tunnels yet but before that when they're just in like the dirt roads and driving through like ravines and washes and things i thought the driving and editing and and filming of that was really well done and, and super engaging action and that would be my favorite so we're kind of running out of time here though because rob is about to join us for tokyo drift which i'm excited to talk about so we'll finish out with our last two segments here kind of the last one being franchise inquiry where instead of falling, like we talk about the messages and meanings, which there actually is more to talk about than I ever expected. So maybe we can bring back Fallen. I think we definitely should for Fury 7, but I don't know. I'll have to get your thoughts, Matt, if that's something that should come back. But for Franchise Inquiry, what is it about? They can be short because I know we've kind of talked about it throughout the whole episode. But any last thoughts that you haven't shared about why Fast and Furious, the fourth film, was a successful kind of reset for the series? Um, and what about it makes made money? We'll, we'll put it that way. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I think it really boils down to the same things that I've said. I think people were interested to see these characters back together. I, you know, again, back when Fast and Fu- the Fast and the Furious first came out, that was. That was the landscape. Uh, everybody spent so much money on their cars to do, you know, exactly what was happening in that movie. And I think people were like genuinely excited to go back to what they originally knew about this series. But also, I think from the trailer, you could tell that it wasn't going to be the same thing, that they were trying to reinvent themselves a little bit. And people were like, okay, finally, like we don't. You know, we don't have to have like this little spinoff of Tokyo Drift. We don't have to have this weird sequel that's too fast, too furious. Um, I think people are just excited to see the original cast back and see the franchise taken in a new direction, which, again, is, you know, where the franchise is now. Yeah, well, well said. I don't have much to add to it. I don't think I could have said it better besides simply saying, I think that this one actually feels like a sequel. And not like, oh, hey, we're just kind of like coming back to this universe, but not in any consistent manner. Like this genuinely feels like a sequel and not just like, I don't know, whatever you want to call Tokyo Drift. An anthology, it feels like a genuine sequel. So we will now, since we're to the end of the episode here, well, actually, Matt, I want to get your thoughts back. Is Fall In, the segment where I would normally talk about the messages and meanings of the film, does that have any place in any of the Fast and Furious films going forward? Like, is that something that we should swap out franchise inquiry for now that we're like actually into the franchise? What What do you think? Um, I think seven would be really the episode that you could put that in. Um, I, I don't think five, six, eight, um, you know, who knows about nine, but I, I definitely think seven would be where that segment could make a comeback. Okay, f- fair enough. That's what I thought. So we'll we'll leave it as a special memento for Fury 7. So let's get into the fun part for me and to reveal the rotten. And because it is Matt, we're going to, and with his show like we always do, we're going to rate this out of five reels. And I will go first. If I had to pick, I'm, I'm re- having a hard time 
deciding between my my gut reaction would be like oh give it four reels but i think that that's too high because i i think that this this series can get better and does get better and so i kind of want to reserve that for what i think is coming so i'm going to give it a solid three and a half but with a little heart next to it that i really enjoyed it as a three and a half so what about you matt uh i see we're both going to be there because i would say that this is a four based on the fact that i really like having the original cast back i think there's good emotion in this movie i think there's a lot of actually really really good filming with the races and not having these tight shots where you can't really see anything actually being able to see the cars on screen uh i think justin lynn did a really great job with this one and uh yeah i'd give it a four okay cool i'm gonna write then down here okay great well so that makes me the rotten i guess we were both right but uh, it's just barely like really i'm so close to giving it a four but i just i think that i want to hold out hope specifically for furious seven and fast five and see what it can do, and maybe retroactively, I'll go back and change this to four reels. It has the potential of doing that, but for now, we'll leave it at 3.5. So we are about to go and record Tokyo Drift, even though you're going to be listening to them in the opposite order, and Rob from Matt Goes to the Movies is going to join us, which is a blast. I'm so glad he can make it. But Matt, as we close this out, one last plug for Matt Goes to the Movies, if you are so willing. Yeah, no, thank you. Um... So again, Matt goes to the movies, the show, uh, you know, any way to find the show will be in the notes. Uh, Harrison puts a link directly into the show notes for this episode, which is awesome. Thank you so much. Um, I have recorded my episodes for Spiral from the Book of Saw and The Dark Knight. So I'm working on getting those posted. Uh, Really looking forward to those. So and then. Loki every Thursday, me, Rob and Harrison will be recording Loki. Um, I think minus Harrison, you said you'll be out of town for, I think two episodes for Loki. Yeah. I think it's episode three and four. If I remember right. Yeah. So that's a bummer. Um, but we'll be good to have you back for those other ones, but yeah, we'll be, uh, looking forward to those. Yeah. I'm, I'm very, very excited for those episodes, particularly the dark Knight episode. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. So thank you again, Matt, for being here for the Fast and Furious. Thanks for getting me into this. If it wasn't for you, I think I would have given up. <laughs> like, like, like if it was just me, if I hadn't organized to record this with you and Rob, I think that after like the first or second one, I'd be like, nah, it's not worth it. Like, I'm just not going to do it. Um, but I'm glad that I am because there's actually parts of it that I really am enjoying. And the highlight of it is definitely being able to record these episodes with you. So I appreciate you being here. Um, Thank you, everyone, for listening to The Basement Binge. Thanks for enjoying these episodes. They are a ton of fun to record, so I hope you're enjoying them. If you do, let me know by leaving a review on podchaser.com slash thebasementbinge. Also listed in the show notes. Let me know what you think of the episode. Share it with anyone who you think would enjoy it. But once again, my name is Harrison. This is The Basement Binge. That is all for now. Ciao, ciao. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.